Hello, hello, hello. Uh, We've got a fantastic episode for you today. We sat down with Joe Hastings, head of Music Minds Matter, to speak about his journey from film composition to working for the charity Help Musicians and how the scope of this UK charity's work has changed over the years. Uh, We discussed the groundbreaking study from 2016 entitled Can Music Make You Sick? As well, of course, as the magic of fizzy iced tea, leg warmers and glitter. If you or someone you know is a musician looking for support with their mental health, then please see our show notes for Music Minds Matters 24-7 helpline. All of our usual socials are linked there too, and we're currently crowdfunding to support costs for the next six months of the pod. So you can find information there about that and so much more. Thank you so much to everybody who's already donated. We are beyond grateful. It's been a busy old time for TMDTA. Uh, There's been lots of stuff going on. One of the most joyful things that we experienced recently was that Hattie and I headed up to Manchester, in fact, yesterday from when I'm recording this, uh, to take part in a panel discussion at the wonderful Empower International Women's Day uh, event hosted by Sinead and Hannah. It was just, uh, you know, those events where, yeah, you just kind of turn up, you don't know what you're expecting, and then you come away from it just feeling totally inspired and ready to keep on working for I wanted to say the greater good but you know what I mean just keep on keep on striving for a better world I always record these spiels being like oh I'm gonna tell everyone what I've been up to but I genuinely can't remember other than the fact that this week I've been up in Derbyshire with my partner and his dad doing some DIY so if anybody needs a kitchen installing uh, I've got some of the skills to do that Apart from that, just been preparing for an audition, feeling quite thinly spread at the moment, definitely struggling with feelings of letting a lot of people down, which I think is quite a common thing as a freelancer. It's like, I don't know, as soon as you get a great gig or something, then you're letting your students down because you have to get depths to cover teaching or you can't find depths to cover teaching or, you know, maybe you're tired from your gig and then you feel like your quality of teaching isn't so good Or if you're really busy fitting in your teaching, then you're not seeing your friends as much. And yeah, just been struggling with feelings of inadequacy a little bit in terms of, yeah, spinning all those old plates. Anyway, back to cheerier things. Without further ado, here's things musicians don't talk about. everyone we are here today in help musicians offices with the wonderful head of music minds matter charity joe hastings hello joe thank you so much for being here how are you doing i'm good i'm good thanks yeah i'm, I'm good we're, we're we're busy as usual but it's uh, it's really nice to yeah get to talk to you it's really nice to come and see like a because help musicians and everything feels so um, online, ethereal. Yeah, and it's like nice that it's a real place as well. Yeah, I, well, it didn't feel like that for obvious reasons during the pandemic, yeah. and, and and I think people coming into the space and it being so central in King's Cross is something that was always um, really nice before the pandemic, and then yeah. since you know since we've we've all returned to the office, it's been really nice to and we've sort of rejigged areas of it so it's more it's, it's much more kind of welcoming to chats and for people coming in 
um, it feels really nice to to be back and to have yeah, to be able to welcome people in. Absolutely. Um, so we really wanted to talk to you today about music minds matter in general and um, a kind of music and mental health specific charity. First of all, could you just tell us like why why this charity? Give it like what's the reason behind it? Why do we need it? The, so help musicians uh, formerly musicians benevolent fund. Um, has existed for over 100 years um, and as a charity it's always um, done um, a, a lot of the work that continues um, albeit in a much uh, you know, more significant and larger fashion in, in now um, for people working in music and, and particularly for performing musicians and, uh, and people sort of in the background of events um, and when I joined the charity we, um, we were doing that work and it was... Um, but you know, it, it, I think it's fair to say it was a relatively. Um, the numbers weren't as high as they are. If I'm being kind, the numbers weren't anything like what they are now in terms of how much, how many individuals we're engaging with, and, and, and actually the breadth of engagement across you know the sector as opposed to uh, probably when I started, um, 70 or 80 percent of people we were working with were from the classical music area. Um, so that that's been a, you know a huge shift over the last 10 years. But the other thing that um, that changed about six years ago was we started to do, to, well, we wanted to understand what the key uh, issues were for, for people who were, who were applying to, to, for support here. And it might sound uh, ridiculous now, but we didn't really have those insights because we, mm. were, de- we, we were dealing with people on a case-by-case basis. It was all very paper-based, uh, so it was quite kind of, um, you know, people's case files sat separately and we didn't really have that you know, integration. Um, so we, we started with research. So we did um, a, a big piece of wellbeing research in 2015, roughly 2014, 2015, which um, which showed that musicians, the main, the, the primary issues that people were, were finding challenging in terms of their careers were around hearing health, vocal health, musculoskeletal health, and mental health was was by far the largest uh, kind of impact on people's um, careers. So um, we undertook research to look specifically at the mental health uh, support needs. I mean, and we also did research in all the other areas and we continue to, um, that, that were important, but the mental health research was, 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 was the, mm. the first piece of key research we did. Um, um, and that went out to, well, we got about 2,200 responses to that research from across the sector. Uh, and it showed really uh, sort of troubling levels of, 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 of uh, mental health precarity um, across the, the, the piece, so to speak. So 71% of people uh, uh, responded saying that they experienced anxiety regularly uh, and performance-related anxiety, and about 68% of people said that they were experiencing regularly experiencing uh, depression or low mood. So it was quite profound, and that's, mm. just to put it into perspective, that's roughly three times the average in society. Um, mm. So you know, we we were look, we were looking at much higher levels of, uh, you know, of, of those kind of presenting issues um, in the sector, which obviously then led us to think about what we were going to do in response to the research. We it, it would have been, uh, you know, it wouldn't have felt like we were completing the circle if we just did research and said this is a problem. Uh, especially because we are an independent charity. You know, we. We, we, we have the ability to to shape our support based on the needs of people um, and based on what people present with um, and that so that led to you know, in 20 late 2015 us uh, uh, developing and uh, creating the music minds matter service um, and it's run since then and obviously I'll talk more about how it's changed mm-hmm. but it was you know it was set up uh, in response to that 
big piece of research. And this was a piece of research separate to the subsequent Can Music Make You Sick no, that, thing? No, that is Oh, that, that is it? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I should have said the name of it. No, it's all good. Don't worry. Because that is... Yeah, that I think that whole study has been a big part of our kind of ongoing reading for the year. Yes, I'm still making my way through still it. Still making me... Like, it's taken me a while to make my way through it. Just because there's so much... In to it. highlight yeah. and like think about and yeah. especially the case studies and what people have said it's it kind of brings to life these numbers which can feel quite alien I guess like mm. I think the the numbers tell a, a really important part of the story but getting that kind of you know the qualitative yeah. information the the the, the, feed, the rich feedback and the and the personal responses is, is is really important which is why we often do focus groups as well on the back of research and we'll will you know will actively engage with people to get their to get their kind of more uh, you know um, personal responses mm. to to pieces of research to to understand in more detail what what some of those kind of prevailing issues are right okay so before so at the moment you've taken on this role of being head of music minds matter that's like your title can you talk us through your journey through the charity like when did you start at help musicians and what has your role been within the charity you're testing me on the date. <laughs> we don't need exact dates, don't worry. <laughs> so I, 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 um, I have a background in music. So I studied music and went on to work in film and TV as a, as a kind of arranger and, 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 and I, I wrote soundtracks. Um, not massively successfully, but I, I, did, I did enough work to, for it to eke out a living for a, for a reasonable amount of time. But I was always... Uh, I'd, I'd also done work when I was studying music um, working in, in, in bail hostels and prisons and other kind of therapeutic environments. Well, they're not therapeutic environments, but work in therapeutic capacities in those environments. You wish um, they were therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, and, and so, so I, when I left university, I, I, I kind of ha- had a career, but I was also um, paying to, uh, to kind of continue to develop my understanding of, of you know, sort of therapeutic support. Um, and, then I, and then after a point where things got a bit more tricky for me in terms of music work, which was roughly around the time of the financial crash. I started to do, um, because there was less work and because I was not that successful, I wasn't getting as much work as I had been previously. There wasn't as much being funded. I I started to train properly and I was working in London um, and I did a a, a therapy course, basically. I I studied therapy for, uh, for about three years. Uh, and um, and in that time as well, I also um, ran a service in Camden, which was a, uh, a a homeless outreach service for people with mental health issues. So so it was you know, people who are in really really desperate, really difficult um, wow. sort of states. So yeah, that, but that but that was my job, and I was working on the streets around our office actually. Wow. So uh, you know, I, I I know that car park next door quite well. Wow. <laughs> so we could, we'd often find people were sleeping there, and um, it was I, I walked past the building and saw this. <clears throat> slightly old-fashioned logo for the Musicians Benevolent Fund and I was trying to remember trying to work out exactly what benevolence was in my head <laughs> I was like, sort of know what I mean it's like kind of yeah uh, sort of altruistic support like charitable support and then um, and then I looked them up and they had this again very dated website uh, even for then um, but it looked like they did really good work and it was a kind of marrying of two areas of very that I was really passionate about, which was music and you know support and 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 the kind of supporting the needs of people who are vulnerable and who are experiencing hardship. So uh, I I phoned them up and I, I said, you know, do you 
do you have any work? And they said, yeah, we've got, actually, there's a job, are you, are you phoning about the caseworker, the, the senior officer or the caseworker role? And I said, oh, what, what does that entail? And I said, well, it's, it's uh, making grants to people who've got uh, health or other issues that are affecting their ability to, to manage and, uh, and um, making decision, grant decisions, going to see people, assessing, writing reports and... You know, and uh, and usually saying yes to the support that they need, and I thought well, that sounds much better than the situation that I was starting to find myself in mm. in street outreach, but which was often not being able to find the support that people needed. Mm. And it was also yeah, it was it also felt like a kind of um, a progression. I'd I'd been training and learning, and then this was a, a role that would maybe tie kind of it all tie together. It. Yeah, yeah, and so so I did. Yeah, I I I went for the interview, got the job. And then, and then, obviously, when when we end, when we got a, a chief exec like James uh, Ainsco, I know you've probably both met. Yeah. Um, it, that that's just you know the the, the the amount that we've that we've moved on from where we were has been you know has kind of you know it's just shifted really really fast to the point where now I think most I like to think that most people in in this interest, industry at least know who we are as help musicians, mm. and equally you know as music minds matter now I think we are beginning to build you know, build that kind of, um, that awareness across the industry as well. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's true. And it's, um, it's always, it, you always feel like there's not enough support given the, the scale of everything, but it feels like you're right that that um, progression from where it was to where it is now has been just ultra fast to try and catch up to where it needs to be. And I think that's completely commendable. Um, so talking about this research that happened for the launch research, um, can you talk a little bit more about what the research kind of showed and what the main needs were for the people? The, the research, the community making sick research showed that precarity of employment was a, was a massive contributor to, uh, to, to people's ability to manage their mental health, you know, and... Um, but actually, it's not. It's, it's so seventy-two percent, roughly, of people across the industry are freelance, which is massive compared to other, other employment wow. sectors. Yeah. But eighty-five percent of classical of people working in classical music are self-employed and freelance. And so I hadn't, I, and I hadn't really taken that on board until uh, the, the, the it was it was published in research that Jane Ginsburg and Susanna Cohen, who uh, Dr. Susanna Cohen, uh, 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 we were kind of involved in some small way with that research. But it, but it but it really brought home to me that some of the some of my presumptions were wrong about classical music. You know, you're saying that your partner, he's having his, he's been graduated. What? How long now? Uh, for almost four years. And it's like the first position that's come up in the UK for a tuba player. In like ten years. Yeah. And it's just, it's really striking that you're right that it's a huge percentage of people being freelance and it's. And I, yeah, I don't think that's something that college made us massively aware of, in in a funny way. I don't know. I don't think I was ever told that I would be employed, but there was, it was always quite the, murky. Yeah, there yeah. was always this narrative of uh, trying to get a job, but then never the kind of oh, but you'll still be, it will but, still be precarious after that. I mean, the other thing I say is that, that it, it, it's it's not all bad news that because there is a lot of you know the, 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 there are a lot of people who enter the music industry because of. This, because of the yeah. nature of freelance work, because they, 
because they move from job to job or because they move from venue to venue or you know and 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 and, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that so I, I i wouldn't want to completely conflate those two issues as in if you're self-employed mm, you're stressed yeah precarity of employment is an issue for you because there are loads of self-employed people who work in music who you have really stable, you know, uh, uh, employment. Uh, you know, I, I suspect less so since the pandemic, for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, it's not, it's not, a, it's not a given that because you're self-employed, your career is harder than it would be mm. if you were working under contract. And there are lots of things working under contract that can be challenging as well. Um, but in yeah. terms of support, I guess you are limited in more ways. I mean, you know, I don't know how much you've seen of the ISMs dignity of work thing oh, yeah. and that was quite interesting about um, you know the law the employment law and how musicians don't know by being self-employed what rights they have and what being a worker means and all yeah. of this can like have added stress because you just don't really know where you fit so you kind of tend then to put yourself on the back foot and just assume you shouldn't make a fuss or whatever mm-hmm. yeah. so all these kind of things have like impact don't they uh, so this is this came through the research the can music make you sick research but it's come through subsequent research um quite profoundly and through the casework team in health, health and welfare who go out and visit thousands of musicians or did and have been doing phone calls in lockdown and are now going out to visit again is the level of social isolation in mm. the industry and it, and it again it's like another thing it's like, oh yeah it's, it's so obvious that that would that that, that would be common commonplace particularly in younger musicians yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and people across the industry and and that um that's also reflective of when we when we set up the support groups that's really reflected in the popularity for support groups for sessions you know the kind of group, group collective activity and engagement and i think that tells a quite a quite a, a sort of troubling sort of story as well which is that um often people don't know don't know where to reach out about the things they're experiencing. So if you're having a hard time, you may have someone, a supportive friend, uh, but, you, but if you don't, then um, you don't have necessarily what we have here, which is you know, an office full of very you know, <laughs> empathetic people you could yeah. talk to if you, if you felt comfortable doing that. And I think that's really common. So for composers sitting in a studio for 12 hours a day, 14 hours a day, to you know, musicians uh, touring uh, with, with, with a, a group of four people that they, have, they love to hate <laughs> and you know and, or you know or in an orchestral environment sometimes as well where there's you know there's potentially 90 odd people in a in, in a space but but not necessarily the people that you might feel comfortable talking to yeah. about what you experience or if you do feel comfortable to them it doesn't always feel like the time and place if you're yeah. in a yeah. rehearsal or it's like a tea break and you want to keep things light or whatever and exactly. it's uh yeah, I I found that the other week where I'd been like, I feel like I've seen loads of people, but I still feel really lonely. And it was because I'd been to lots of rehearsals, but I hadn't spent quality time with anybody. Mm-hmm. I'd just been working. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing. From the research, I remember reading it when it came out, 2018? How music make you sit? No, 2017? 20. Oh. oh my gosh, okay. Well, maybe it was a bit after it came out. We all lost a couple of years. But that was, you know, my kind of peak shit time in college. <laughs> And I remember reading that statistic of seven... Now, you're going to have to get your numbers out, Joe. But there's a percentage of, music, of musicians who have experienced mental illness, basically, or, or depression. So, so, yeah, so 71% anxiety, 68%, 69% um, depression. Yeah, I remember reading that, and I remember looking around my orchestra, feeling yeah. awful, and being kind of angry at those numbers, because I was just thinking, yes, that might be true, but 
I don't know one of these people in here have suffered yeah. at all. So I'm just really curious about, obviously that was back in 2017, 18, when I, when I read that and felt that isolation and anger. Um, and since then I know the conversation has thankfully grown and through lockdown and, and everything, people are more vulnerable and we are noticing that. But how are you hoping that Music Minds Matter, this new subsidiary arm of help musicians, can open up that conversation and encourage musicians to support each other? Um, or be honest about where they've been? Well, I mean, I, I, I'd argue that, and, and it's not just Music Minds Matter, but I'd argue that that's, that's already been happening. I think, you know, uh, from the research, we... I'm not, sorry, not, I'm not suggesting that we need, not, need to have an argument. I'd, I'd suggest that that's... Argue with us, please. <laughs> because, because, yeah. um, and, and what was really... What, what I was really keen to ensure we did when the, when, when the research was published was that we... That we Build something that, it, it, that that helps that gives people that really important uh, piece of help that they need in that moment. But that also we we, we try and learn because it felt to me like the start of something. Not mm. it's complete. We've done this research. Here's the service. This will solve all the problems. Um, and also that we made sure that we were we were working in partnership with other organisations. You know like Music Support and mm. Tonic Rider and BAPAM and, you know, and, and the Royal Society of Musicians and PRS, Members Fund and many other organisations that we work with a lot and commonly and we work really well with to, to, to continue to learn and build insights. And, that, and that's been key, a key part of understanding and shaping the service. But it's also um, enabled us to, 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 to say that we are building and developing services based on the insights that musicians and people in the sector are giving us and uh, and therefore I think we get really positive feedback because the services reflect what people need not necessarily what people tell us they need but what people actually need because you know we, we have that level of engagement with people now so so it's not an ideal place we're in now but I think we're a long way from where we were when that before that research was published those conversations are now uh, at a point where collaboration connect connectivity uh, you know um, um, sort of moving on from conversations into action are, are happening and that's and that's really positive and it's uh, more than I expected I have to say when when we first when you know when we first launched with using minds matter no I think that's the great thing there's always signposting yeah. on the site and, and in general in the work you do and, and in the event that we attended on well mental health day that was very much a celebration of partners and the work people are doing not just like look how great our work is yeah. you know I've always had that vibe from from you guys yeah um I just have a question about whether you have an insight through your whole time here and everything of maybe why in terms of stigma there's still this this kind of issue of musicians talking to each other like they might now have confidence to talk to help musicians BAPAM or whatever but I still sense a, a bit of a What's the word? Resistance. Resistance to speaking to each other and being open about having a harder time. Do you have an idea of how maybe that help music, um, music minds matter could help that change? Or yeah, I mean, I, well, I think I think um, the peer support groups in particular, which we run in collaboration with Tonic Rider, they 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 they're, they're telling a story, which is that people. You know, we, we set they're, they're run over six weeks. The sessions they are run and and, and sort of led by a BACP accredited, so so a, you know, a, a fully accredited uh, therapist. And the therapist is not there to 
to impart wisdom that they're, they're there to be part of encouraging the safe conversation to happen and it can and people can talk about whatever they're finding difficult and and what they see in this in these small groups you know of 12 people over six sessions is is the building of this kind of peer network and and, and that approach is, has been well researched and, mm. it's, and it's actually really impactful but I don't think there's enough of it happening I'd say in, in society actually um, but the, 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 the one of the big um, insights from the peer support groups is that people don't want it to stop at six sessions oh, yeah. so they want they want to not everyone but but most people want to continue that contact they yeah. see the value in these new these new friendships that they've built you know these new sort of safe healthy friendships that they've built so so, so I want us to do more about that and I think the the potential for that if you think about the kind of the 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 um, the number of people you can you can interact with and engage with through that, uh, and the number of people who are benefiting from having a support network, and you know, it, it, it is is significant, and it's something that knowing how much social isolation is there is in this industry yeah. is 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 definitely needed. Uh, you could say that though that that is still very much, although people know it exists and it's there for them. It could that yeah. is that a way of destigmatizing the issue like industry wide. Yeah, I mean, I, but I, I, yeah. The, so we, it's kind of part. It is um, the, part, one of the one of the potential areas of development for us is looking at that more broadly. Okay. And, and actually, so, so so I don't want you to think that what I'm saying is that the peer support groups are uh, going to be extended, um, so that so that they continue to be this sort of you know this fairly finite resource and support structure for people. Actually, learning from those insights and thinking in thinking. As, as an as a, a an organisation that has a lot of insight, thinking and, and and has the ability to actually, you know, develop services on the on the on the basis of of insights, what like, what what can we do to kind of propagate promote mm. those kind of communities? And I think that's something that is really interesting and potentially quite exciting for for us and for others in the industry as well. It's not just us who who are recognising the potential benefit in that. Mm. I suppose also being kind of supported and empowered in these groups makes those people within the groups more comfortable about talking about these things amongst other peers not just in those groups and I I think it's really great that there's a therapist there to kind of lead them in that conversation and kind of perhaps provide them with language or the right questions or something I I was actually going to ask about the therapist and also on the helpline um in general, the people that uh, the therapists and whoever's helping out with the mental health support are they musically trained or are they musically informed? Yeah, or? So, sorry, I should have started with that, shouldn't I? Uh, no, 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 I was just wondering because from a personal point, I'd love. I'm training as a counselor at the moment, okay. and I'd love to work in music. But the first thing that comes to my mind is that music is such a small world. How on earth could you work as a within confidentiality if you know everybody and? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, I, that's not come up as an issue actually. So, uh, in in the service, so what the, the 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 service as it as it functioned for three years initially was um, was was a kind of you know a a, 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 a partnership with an organisation who delivered similar services, and the service was you would call and speak to a helpline trained advisor, and then you may ben, you may be able to access some therapy based on an assessment um, through their network of therapists, so the partners therapists. And one of the, the the big things that changed when we were reviewing the service in uh, 2020 uh, was, which was the end of that kind of three-year period, was was to look at 
what, what people were benefiting from through the service, but also uh, to do uh, research and, and, and ask people what they what they wanted and, and ask people who'd use the service, but also ask people who weren't using the service what they would mm-hmm. what would they what they would like from a service. And, and there were two key findings from that. One was they wanted to talk to a therapist immediately. They didn't want to talk to helpline advisors. Yeah, There's yeah, nothing yeah. wrong with people being helpline advisors, but they didn't want that. They wanted to talk to therapists. So they wanted that conversation to be with someone who was who is appropriately accredited and trained to deliver a therapeutic conversation you know, so, so we call it you know it's, it's kind of a listening ear service but um, and actually the majority of people who use Music Minds Matter use that service as a standalone and they and, and, and it's sufficient for them to to go away and and, 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 and and sort of take into practice whatever they've discussed with that with with the therapist in the call um, so that was one one key point and then the other the other key development um, was uh, that people wanted access to therapy with therapists who had a very good understanding of the industry. So at first, that I kind of was a little uncomfortable with that because you know I still believe a good therapist is a good therapist, and 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 it's it's probably more important the kind of the mode of therapy that you're accessing based on your presenting issues. So I'm going to technical stuff here, but no, um, yeah, okay. but you know that 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 um, that 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 being such an overwhelming need and such an overwhelming response from people you know overrode my kind of well no good therapist good therapist and actually now I see how how much of an impact and how much of a change that was and how much of a positive change it was. I think that's one of the things that I found so frustrating in the past no matter how good a therapist they were there were certain things that I just felt like I couldn't get my point across about how precarious the work was or like they couldn't quite understand why I still wanted to be a musician. I feel like I've been blaring on about CBT a lot um, recently but um, a lot of my yeah kind of issues with the CBT that I've received has always been like it's come down to okay well why are you stressed because of music and they're like well then maybe you could leave the music and it's like no that's not the <laughs> that's not the answer. Yeah I, that, that was that was I remember that being a um a quote in our in a focus group was from someone saying, um, "I went to see. I went. I had. I had therapy. I spoke to a therapist. I told them that the irregular hours were making it hard for me to sleep, and it was affecting my mental health. And they said, "Well, stop. Well, stop working at, early, yeah. at ten at night or whatever." And it was like, "Okay, that, well, that's my job." Like, okay, so yeah, it's the same with the musculoskeletal stuff. Yeah, with the GP being like. If you've got pain and your rest, playing. just stop playing. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's yeah, an invaluable resource to have people like that and yeah. specifically trained therapists. Yeah. For sure. Within your so new awesome. role and obviously having both the music background and the counselling, mental health kind of background, how do you feel it's been like running this whole thing, an overview, like seeing an overview of it all? How has the experience been so far from your kind of personal perspective? Um, amazing, you know, having having a, a, a board that of w- w- such experienced professionals from across the industry m- m- uh, with a with a real passion and understanding of mental health is yeah, it's completely uh, it, it, it's yeah, it, it's 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 I, 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 it's early days, but it already feels very different because mm. I I have this this collective of people with you know with with a, with a with an incredible, I'm going to avoid saying hive mind, but this incredible kind of you know knowledge that can that can um, uh, 
can help shape the service and and we're set to spend well over a million pounds next year within the service and that you know that is incredible and and, and, and it's and it's you know it's testament to the to the, the wider charity and it's and it's and it's it's acknowledgement of the importance of this of this area that, that we that we are committing that but also that we're you know that we're um, that we're kind of growing the service but it's also reflective of need because you know we last year we saw an 118 percent increase uh, of people using the service in this year we've seen somewhere around 34 to 35 percent increase so those num- you know those numbers have gone up significantly my kind of final question was going to be about um, it feels like it's getting harder and harder to be a musician in the, this day and age um, and it's it's amazing to hear about how much support there is for musicians but what are your thoughts around what it is to be a musician and where that's going? I mean yes I, I agree with everything you're saying but I also think that there are a lot, there are lots of good examples of people who have really, who, who have uh, very healthy careers and 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 are doing very well and uh, in, in you know and across the industry that's that's the case. I don't think everything is bad. We are also in a really, you know, I mean I don't know how many times over the last few years people have used the word unprecedented, but we are in we're in a, a different unprecedented time of you know of, of, of need and you know, um, you know the the research that we did recently told us that. Eighty-eight percent of people were struggling to to, to manage, uh, you know, um, on what on, on their income, and, and and you know that's a, that's a that's a really shocking situation that people are in. So, uh, uh, and how much of that is is um, is going to be the same in two or three years? I think is is the is the tricky part to answer. But where we are right now, and where we are as a charity right now, is 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 responding to the need, but also, uh, yeah, trying to kind of get some answers that will help us to shape the services in two or three years yeah that's hopeful it's good (laughs) it is good because you can yeah you kind of as a from my perspective it's very easy for me to get caught up in like the next six months of like finance or whatever but actually you're right like looking to two or three years down the line it has to get better there are people that are making it work and we can learn from them um, we normally end these conversations with like a little win of the week or like a little positive thing from your week um, that you want to share. For the first time ever, I already have mine. So I think you should go first. My pos- my win of the week is that I've been climbing twice and I've stayed relatively on top of my emails. I think you're going to say I've stayed sober. No, I haven't stayed sober. <laughs> How dare you? You have been very good on the emails. Yes. Thank you. It's unprecedented. It is unprecedented. <laughs> These are unprecedented times. They are unprecedented yeah, in times. positive ways as well as negative. <laughs> Do you have an idea of positive? My so my win of the week. So so yes, something positive that I can that I. Uh, However small or yeah. big, we've had some really big ones recently. Yeah. Oh, that's that puts pressure on for me to think of something really big. Well, no, mine was that no, I replied no. to some emails, so I think you'll be fine. <laughs> um. My win of the week is actually a little bit of a cheat because it was last it was last week. That's but fine. I uh, m- my dad's been unwell and we bought him for his birthday this carpentry course because he's or he, my my granddad was a cabinet maker. Aww. So I did it because he couldn't do it. No. And I I built some I learned how to do dovetail joints and and actually you know no what way. it reminded me of what it's like 
to be really focused on a piece of music uh, and really focused on creating mm-hmm. a piece of music or, or performing, you know, um, which is just that the, the, the sort of attention to detail, but also being completely in something. And, and there's something in the brain going on there. I mean, I, I, it's a long time since I read that Oliver Sacks book, but if yeah, the, the the brain is working differently when you're in that that kind of mode, and it was very similar, and um you know and, and just you know the the feeling after three days of and having something that I'd made and looking at it and going it's, not, it's really not bad <laughs> was yeah. was incredibly well it's a violin it's a it's a recipe stand like a, it's, it's like light oak and it's very pretty and it's, so it's, it looks it looks nice it looks looks like something you'd, you'd find in a a sort of you know a, a, a sort of turn of the century church or something Ooh, but it's lovely. very nice yeah. are you going to keep Curved it edges. or gift it to someone well I think I'm going to be selfish and keep it because yeah, I'm definitely. proud of it it's a, your dad wasn't like whatever you make is mine well I did think you know, <laughs> it would have been nice to gift it to him but then oh, maybe I will I'll maybe see I'll see how thing. I feel you can be like we're both going to use it but it's going to be at my house <laughs> <laughs> And then my other small win of the week was that um, we managed to... I, I'm a, a class rep for my son's uh, oh. uh, class and we managed to find... They're doing Fame as the Christmas... Oh, of course. Christmas musical. The classic fame. Christmas. Uh, yeah, they're doing Fame and we managed to source all of the 80s, you know, whatever, you know, the gear, the... What do you call them? The Leg warmers. Leg warmers and, and glitter and we managed That's to source it all for, for very little money so it's not cost... Again, big wins of the week. Is this yeah. the second musical doing Fame? No. You're joking me. No, he's six. It's, yeah, yeah. He's six? Yeah. They're not doing the whole musical. Fame. Well, he's, he's, so he's doing a track. He's got, he's, he's got the moves down, though. He's, he, he's, he showed me last night in the lounge. Is he a dancer and a back, backup dancer? Or is he part of the main plot? But that I don't know yet, actually, because mm. you, know, you don't get much out of kids at that age. But he is, he is on stage and he's going to be moving. Um, That's so sweet. Yeah. That's a lot. They're not doing the nativity anymore. That is the nativity now. <laughs> well, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, it's the new nativity. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And Hattie. Oh, I knew it was coming down to me. Well, it, everybody um, has to do one, so of course it was. Um, you can do it. Yeah. I went, well, I guess it's a win. I went abroad for the first time since covid and it was quite stressful. I went to Amsterdam over the weekend. As you do. As you do. And it was, I had some new, I had some old emotions come up, that feeling of being in a new country and like being a little bit homesick and like, whoa, it's quite a horrible emotion. It's not nice. So I had that kind of And that's your win. <laughs> the win My was win like, as I came back and I you had a great back. time. I got through those moments, the difficult moments. <laughs> I the win was that you came the, back to the UK. My win was that I arrived back. <laughs> you like guys. Oh. They have in Europe that is like, I wish they had here, is the Lipton iced tea but sparkling. Can't get that here. No, it's true, you can't. And that is so good. I've never had that. You only have the still yeah. one, the sparkling one. Anyway. Very good. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Joe. Um, it's honestly been so lovely talking we to you. We can't wait yeah, to see what's going to happen with the next year of, of this charity. And, and beyond. And beyond. Look to the future, Hattie. <laughs> Always. <laughs> Thanks thank you so very much. much.